Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be teaching this evening on developing. And what's the theme of 1 Corinthians chapter 9? The theme is the ministry. The ministry. So we're going to develop our understanding. And 1 Corinthians, it really is. The church was getting corrected, but they were also getting instructed on how God works. And this is, I've never actually, I don't think ever been in a Bible study from 1 Corinthians. So this is something that I'm learning too, and as I'm studying, learning about what the Word of God has for all of us. So during a wedding rehearsal, the groom, that's the guy, not the broom, but the groom, approaches the pastor with an unusual offer. He said, look, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I just want you to change the wedding vows just like a little bit. When you get to the part where I'm supposed to like love and honor and, 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 and cherish and be faithful to her, could you just leave that part out? Here's a hundred bucks. So he gives a hundred dollar bill to the minister who takes it, puts it in his pocket. I'm not saying he was a good minister, but he was, you know, pet, so... On the day of the wedding, it comes time for the groom's vows and everyone's watching. The families are all there. Everybody's dressed up. The pastor looks the young man in the eye and say, Will you promise to prostrate yourself before her? Obey her every command. Serve her breakfast in bed every morning of your life. And swear eternally before God and your lovely wife, that you will not even look at another woman. As long as you both shall live, the groom gulps and he looks around and all the people are there. So he says in a tiny voice, yes. Then leans toward the pastor and says, I thought we had a deal. And the pastor smiles, gives him his hundred dollars back and said, she made me a better offer. Developing an understanding of the ministry. Are people going back and forth here? I'm just, the door's open, so. Emma? Okay. The ministry of the gospel is what we're discussing this evening. 1 Timothy chapter 12, chapter 1 and verse 12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Who hath enabled me, for that he hath, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The ministry is what we're looking at, developing our understanding. What is the ministry? So we're going to look at verses one to seventeen. That is, it deals with the support of the ministry. First Corinthians chapter nine. Paul is answering some criticisms. There were probably some folks in the Corinthian church like, who's Paul and he's not here? Why do we have to listen to him? So he's answering these questions. He said, am I not an apostle? That's the highest office that God has. And it really means just to send. Who sends an apostle? Not a church organization. Jesus Christ. So that's your your pastor, right? If you're an apostle. Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work 
in the Lord. And so, first of all, and let's look at verse 2. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. So some that were doubting that Paul was what he said he was, he said, you are living proof because he founded the church and they got saved because of Paul's preaching. And he said, if there's one group of people that would bear this seal, and what is a seal? So they would have these, these stones and they would cut symbols or letters into these stones and then they would put them in a ring. They would set them in a ring. And if you were to sign a document, uh, there was a notary today and he was going, and he had this notary uh, stamp. And well, back then they had their authority stamp and they would stamp it like, like in ink or in clay and they would stamp the document and it would make the document official. So when Jesus was put in the tomb, they didn't, they didn't like weld the, the door shut. Okay, first of all, it was stone and welding hadn't, you know, wasn't a big deal back then without electricity. But they sealed it, which means they put the authority of Rome was on someone's ring or signet that they hung around their neck. And they put that into some wax. And if you broke that seal, then you were breaking the authority of Rome. And that's a bad thing to do. So Paul said that my seal of the authority is the changed life that you have. And we deal with this in a little while um, because Paul is uh, answering criticisms that uh, isn't it all right for ministers to work for God? And he says, mine answer in verse three to them that do examine me or criticize me is this. Have we not power to eat and drink? It doesn't mean that he talks about Aren't we allowed to eat and drink? He said, don't we have power to be supported by the church? That's what he was talking about. Have we not power? And he's not talking about living off the gospel. He's talking about living of the gospel. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife? So if you're a, a preacher, you can get married to a Christian lady. That's why it says a sister. As well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas, we know that Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And so, and then he said, or only I and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working? And he's saying, well, isn't it okay if we become a full-time minister? Obviously there was criticism against that. And in verse one, say, well, what was Paul's job? Now, Paul actually did have a job. He was just lining out that the church was supposed to support the minister. But he didn't do it for his own personal benefit. Say, well, what was Paul's job? Go back to verse one. He said in verse one, he said, are not ye my work in the Lord? The job of a minister is people. Have you ever read about the rebuilding of Jerusalem? There's two books. One is Ezra and one is Nehemiah. Do you know that they had... So Nehemiah was the secular governor of Jerusalem. Ezra was a priest. Two different men, two different books in the Bible. 
Nehemiah, you're familiar, Nehemiah exhorted the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What did they do? They built the walls around Jerusalem. That was his job. But what was Ezra's job? Well, Nehemiah built walls. Ezra built people. That was his job. He exhorted the people by the preaching of God's word. So Paul is saying, my work, and it's not preachers. They do more than just stand behind a pulpit and preach. So uh, just, just today, I was planning on doing something with my daughter. It's 9 a.m. Got a phone call. I'm getting dressed with my whole family and everything's changing and we're running out the door. Does that happen? Uh, so he goes to verse 7 and talks about three examples. Three examples of people that uh, uh, are supported by other things. Okay? And one's a soldier, one's a farmer, and one's a shepherd. So verse 7. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? That's the soldier. You know, the soldier doesn't have to pay for himself to go to combat. In fact, when you're a soldier, I think we got paid when I was in like $12,000 a year. It was like an incredible amount of money, right? Not a month, a year. Say, so a preacher, were you able to survive? You know I was. Because they fed you, they housed you, they gave you medical benefits, and I even bought and paid for a brand new car when I was in the military and paid my tithe and gave offerings and went and bought a bunch of sodas and everything else. Why? Because I was taken care of. My job was to be a soldier. I didn't have to get a side job so that I could be a soldier. It was taken care of, thank God, by the taxpayer. So thank you for paying your taxes. That's what paid for me. And then it says, who planteth a vineyard and eateth not the fruit thereof? If a farmer plants a vineyard, couldn't he enjoy? My, my grandpa was a farmer. And we would go up to the barn. Now, farmers sell milk. My, he was a dairy farmer. So we would go up there with the beat up old pan and we would go. He didn't have to ask anybody why. It's his milk. He's the farmer. So we used to go get nice cold milk and bring it down and uh, enjoy that with cereal. And then it said, or who feedeth a flock? This is probably, this is the shepherd. And eateth not of the milk of the flock. So you enjoy the rewards of your labor. And that's what Paul was saying with people. He's, and it's interesting. I looked at these three things. Do you know that I never worked overtime in the military? You know that farmers don't work overtime? And shepherds don't work overtime. Do you know why? There's no such thing. It's like moms never work overtime. You know what? There's no such thing. So as a military, you can be working 24 hours a day and then, oh, you're on for another 24 hours. That's the way that it is. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. But that's the occupation. Same with the farmer. They work from sunup to sundown. When is their day off? How about this? Never. Ever. 365 days a year. Why? Same with the shepherd. So what do they take vacations? If they do, they have to hire someone to take care. Like the military. You can't just like everyone lay down their weapons and walk home. There's someone that's got to be on duty 24-7. So I thank God for all these occupations. And you know what? It's like that as a preacher too. Uh, and that's uh, one of the, you know, the, the challenges of the ministry is there's no clocking out of the ministry. And, you know, you can work really hard at your job, but when you go home, guess what? You're home. 
They can call you, but you can be like, dude, I'm off. Call someone else. As a minister, there's no time where you can just say, I'm on overtime. I already 40 hours of overtime last week. I'm just going to chill this week. That's not an option for the ministry. So, and it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful uh, call. It's not a job. It's a life. It's a, it's a, it's a whole life. And it's, it's, a, it's, an, awesome, it's an awesome undertaking. I, I know a little bit about it, but not too much. But anyway, so verse 8. Say I these things as a man? He said, is this my own opinion? Or saith not the law the same also? So he's talking about the Old Testament. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. And then he said, is God, uh, you know, is God one of those, I forget that name of, what's the people that care for the pets, pro-pet agency? PETA. I'm, God is not PETA, all right? God loves animals, okay? But I love animals too. Fried, boiled, Anyway, so, but God wasn't saying that you have to take care of animals or people too. Look, I read an article today. I think it was a Supreme Court ruling. They ruled that an elephant was not a person. Someone wanted to, this is a true story. Someone wanted an elephant to be labeled a person so they could free it from captivity. Okay, Paul is saying God did not write that in the law of Moses to give animals rights. He said, Doth God take care for oxen? Did God write that in his word so that we would have animal rights? And now verse 10, he gives them an idea. He said, or saith he it altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth, he's speaking of dealing with people's lives, should plow in hope. And he that thresheth in hope should be a partaker of his if we have sown unto you spiritual things it is a great is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things and that that means the support of the church and the tithes and the offerings that's and the tithe is a tenth of what god blesses us with and an offering is just it's it's whatever you decide to give to the lord so that's what you get from a church though and it's interesting he said we have sown unto you spiritual things do you know the offering i gave when i got saved me either. Now, I probably gave him the offering just because I grew up. I knew what an offering was. I was probably put a dollar in or something like that. But there was no pressure on any giving. It was just a, if you choose, there's an offering. But my life was radically changed in a church service. My life was turned right side up hearing the gospel, and it was free of charge. In fact, I got a ride to church. I didn't even, I I think the pastor gave me a ride to church. But after I learned about it, I began to be part of God's program in supporting the church and paying my tithes. And I found out what a tithe envelope was and that it it, it was showing in the word of God. And you know what? I've, I've never been destitute as part of God's work. God knows what he's doing and he takes care of his people doing things his way. And he said, if others be partaker of this power over you, are not we rather? said, if other people you pay their tithe, and he said, wait, we're the ones that started this church. And then now notice this, because it seems like Paul is getting something where he's creating a business where he's the sole heir, right? And using the God thing to like twist someone's arm. Notice what he says in his sake. Nevertheless, we have not 
used this power. So Paul's teaching for a greater deal. He's giving us a pattern of the way churches run. And tithe is not a uh, obscure teaching. Most American mainline churches will teach the doctrine of tithe. It's not an Old Testament thing. Yes, it was in the Old Testament, but it was before the law of Moses was instituted, people paid tithe. Jacob paid tithe. Abraham paid tithe before the law. So this isn't something that was done away with. Uh, Jesus even said, ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, I believe, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Judgment and uh, righteousness, I think, and faith. But he said, these ought ye to have done and not leave the other undone. He never said tithe was something that wasn't part of the New Testament. So, uh, but anyhow, so Paul said, nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul didn't receive the material support. He was just saying that's the way it should be done. He wasn't looking for it. Do ye not know, and this is speaking of the Levites, that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? I mentioned this in the fellowship meeting, but the wave offering, they would wave this piece of meat, or the heave offering, they would lift it up, and it was symbolic. They were waving it before the Lord or lifting it up, but then the Levites would use that, and that was their barbecue or whatever. That's what they sustained their families with. So they lived of those sacrifices. They didn't just burn everything to God. They didn't burn everything up. Part of it was for the support of the ministry. God knows what he's doing. And then in verse 14, now this is something that is good to know as a scripture, and this is kind of where he's getting to. Even so hath the Lord ordained. It's not a this is the way my church does it, or this is the way my pastor says it. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And that's what one preacher said, not off the gospel, but of the gospel. Not just eating grapes and, you know, you know peeled grapes and watching everybody else suffer and toil. And, uh, you know, no, no one would want to follow a preacher like that anyway. But... Someone talked to Reverend Keckle some years ago, Pastor Keckle, and uh, said, what do you do? And Pastor Keckle said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher. And the man said, well, that's easy. Pastor Keckle's from Michigan, and he looked back at me and he said, it depends what kind of preacher you are. And I was like, man, that's the way that it is, too. So it's not every preacher is the same. You know, some preachers make the news for less than good reasons, but a real preacher is a real servant, a real servant of God. And it's someone that... People look to and everybody else throws them out, okay? That the preacher is the friend that, that can step in in sensitive as well as sensitive uh, areas of people's lives. No, notice what he says in verse 15. But I have used none of these things. Neither have I written these things and it should be done, should be so done unto me. I'm not self-serving here. It's like pay your tithes to me, right? You know, no. For were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. He said, I would rather die than let you shut the volume down of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was Paul's desire. For though I preach the gospel, 
I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. The gospel is a call. And I was minding my own business. I was actually, I had plans. I was getting out of the military. I was going to go move somewhere. I think I planned maybe to hit Austin or San San Antonio so long ago. I had all, I was making plans. I was a young man. I wasn't like studying my Bible, knowing no, I, was, I had plans to do other things. Uh, and then God uh, ended up getting in the mix there and calling me to preach the gospel. And uh, me? <laughs> really? I'm like not the top brother. I'm not the singer. I'm not. But God calls whom he wills. And that's, it's what God says to do. So preach, you just drop your life and go. And well, yes, if it was God that does it, right? I mean, people will say, well, what if it's God? Yes, then you do what God says, right? So that's what I'm doing. So what are you doing in Jacksonville? I invited this lady out to church. She goes, it's scandalous. You know, you know basically, who, who gave you authority? Because she was a, a, a Catholic, and I'm not under the Pope. So she said, who gave you authority? It's scandalous. And I said, Jesus Christ? <laughs> I mean, another guy said, I invited him to church. And I said, do you have a church? He goes, it's none of your business. I'm not from Michigan, but uh, I said, sir, I'm not from here. In fact, I, I live in Washington State. We're in Florida now. And I said, but God laid it on my heart to come down here and build this church. I said, so I tried to, it is my business. <laughs> that's exactly my business. And so a preacher, what are you saying that for? Because that's why I'm here to preach God's word. Amen. So, and then he said, woe unto me. I got a problem if I don't do what God says for me to do. Preachers, so you, well, do you have to do it? You can do what you want. But I don't want to be one of those preachers making lots of money when God wants me to be preaching. I might be very successful and doing other things, but there comes a time when you breathe your last breath. And that's a real deal for all of us. And we might be young now and everything feels good and, you know, no aches in our bodies. Or you might have plenty of aches, you know. But there's going to be one day when you go, (sighs) breathe that last breath. And then you know what counts? Nothing but the blood of Jesus and our obedience to Jesus Christ. And as a preacher, Paul said, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. If I have the right attitude. But if against my will... God said, look, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. I still have to do it, even if I do it with a rotten attitude. Have you ever done something with a rotten attitude? I washed the stupid dishes! Well, yeah, you washed them, but you don't get a reward from your wife, right? Because you did it with the wrong attitude. So next time, scrub the walk with the right attitude, right? We have a walk, but anyway, so... I mean, not around the... Yeah, but... (laughs) If someone offers to walk your dog, just make sure that you know what they're talking about, so verse 18 to 23 so we dealt with the support of the god of the ministry the ministry of the word of god and the ministry you know that really so we'll have a music ministry and a facebook ministry the ministry is the preaching of the gospel that is the ministry everything around that contributes to that is a blessing but it might contribute to the ministry people say well i have a music ministry or uh, dance ministry that's not biblical Paul didn't have an interpretive dance ministry okay that's not what Paul did he's like leaping around and this is the children coming out of Egypt no that was not what the ministry is 
The ministry is the service of the preaching of the gospel. And everything orbits around the preaching of the gospel, which is what? Communicates how people can give their lives to Christ and be saved and approach him for healing and approach him for blessings. And there's a lot of things. Music is important, okay? Children's church, that is the ministry. It's communicating the gospel. Uh, uh, choirs and all these things. That's not the ministry of the gospel, but it supports the ministry. So it's very important. I just want you to know this because you hear all kinds, well, this is my ministry. You know, I, I, I go and, uh, you know, write postcards to people. Well, that's not the ministry. It might be something that you do, and that is to minister to people, right? But the ministry is the preaching of the gospel. That's what it is, and whatever it takes to get it done. So verses 18 to 23, the service of the ministry. What is the ministry? What is the service of the ministry? Uh, John, the gospel of John said that Jesus recorded, I'm the good shepherd. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling, you know, the, the, the guy from the day labor place, that's what a hireling is. And not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming. And leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he's in hireling. He's like, I don't get paid for this. And careth not for the sheep. You know, when you care for someone, you'll fight for them. And that's what a real pastor is. Jeremiah said, I'm going to give you pastors after my heart and they're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding they're going to tell you the truth about god and they're going to help you to grow in christ and uh you know if if you if you love someone you'll fight for them i read an article many years ago this uh polar bear attacked these kids in i think it's in canada maybe northern canada or alaska and this mom like a hundred pounds wet she came out with her fists right and attacked the polar bear. I mean, literally. She fought the polar bear. And, you know, so it went down on top of her. Well, she lived to tell the tale. I mean, they came with guns later and the men came out. But would you charge a polar bear? I mean, they weigh like a thousand pounds. Well, this hundred pounds, so mom, she did. Why? She loved her kids. And there's a love that comes in the word of God. God puts that in a a preacher's heart. It, Paul said, what is my reward then? What am I preaching for? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Say, I just want to be a blessing. I just want to be a blessing. And Paul was a tent maker. He, he supported himself. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, the law of Moses. To them that are without the law, as without the law. Being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. People that don't know anything about Judaism or Christianity. To the weak, I became, to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made, I love this, 
I am made all things to all men. That is a key verse in soul winning. That I might by all means save some. You're not going to win everybody. But if you'll allow God, you know, if I see someone that's kind of, uh, you know, sophisticated and, you know, they have the, they're bespectacled, I'm probably not going to say, what's up, bro? I'm probably going to say, how you doing, sir? Why? Because I want to become all things to all men. If I see someone diddy bopping down the road, well, I might also say, hey, what's up, sir? Just because that's me. But uh, I might say, hey, what's happening, bro? Why? Because becoming all things, you want to speak the language that they speak. Why? So that you can win them to Jesus Christ. Everyone needs Jesus. And this says, and this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. Man, it's a real team effort to win people to Jesus Christ. It's a team effort. Verse 24 to 27. I only got a few minutes left. One minute. The submission of the ministry. There are rules. There are conditions to the ministry. And you've known a lot of people, right? Uh, in positions of the ministry. And they've made the news for bad reasons. And no, they're no longer a pastor. They're no longer a minister. And it's not just adultery. There are other things that uh, a minister becomes disqualified for the ministry. Because God places... He, he places... Uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. God looks at the ministers and said, Hey, buddy, I want, I want my representatives to uh, be uh, good examples. Know ye not, verse 24, that they which run in a race run all. Have you ever seen a race? But one receiveth the prize. He said, first of all, so run that ye may obtain. And every, so first of all, run 100%. I was telling my daughter, when you come to the finish line, don't slow down. Run through the finish line. Preacher, where's the finish line? Heaven. That's when we stop. I stop to rest, you know, and then, but I just get up and you just got to keep running for Jesus. There's that song. I've been running for Jesus a long time. I'm not tired yet. And I've sung it before and go, I'm singing that I'm not tired, but I feel pretty tired right now. I don't know if you've ever done that. But like, is it a lie to sing the song? Or... <laughs> But so run. Why? Because I'm receiving the prize. Jesus has a prize. And every man that striveth, the word striveth, that comes from the Greek word agonia, where we get agony, right? Where you're just in agony because you're in physical pain. Well, it comes from the Greek word, the root is A-G-O-N. And that's an assembly, like a bunch of people coming together to watch you know, a contest, like a boxing match or the Olympic Games. So an agonia is that striving is a contest. That's what it's come to mean. And uh, it's interesting because you name the name of Christ, everyone's watching your life. Everyone's watching you struggle. They're watching how you treat people. They're watching, and it's not fair, but it's just the way that it is, okay? So they're watching you struggle through this life. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. We put other things down so that we can win. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. They used to have wild olive branches that they would put, you know, as a, the, you know, the, you know, make a crown. Not of thorns, but it was like a flower, you know. And as soon as they put the flower crowns together, you ever buy flowers from the store? You buy dead flowers, okay? They've been snipped from their life, right? And you say, give this little packet. Last up to two weeks. No, they're dead. You're just basically making them die slowly, right? So he said these crowns that people have, 
they're corruptible, but there's a crown. And I don't know what they're going to look like. A crown just determines authority. I don't know exactly if they're going to be material or if they're going to be light. I don't. But God has got a crown for the believers, and it's going to fade not away. Just like the the blessings up in heaven, they'll just be good. They're not going to, you know, like the cheap rings that'll turn your finger like a different color. They're not going to turn your hairline a different color. It's like, this is a cheap one. It's not even real gold. No, it's going to be real. And verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So there's a running illustration. I'm running to win. You know, we have to be an intentional Christian. I'm going to serve God today. Not today, devil. I mean, you really have to sometimes come down. No, not today. I'm going to serve God today. So fight I, and this is a boxing illustration, not as one that beateth the air. Have you seen someone shadow boxing? Like, ooh, 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 ooh. But they, they're not hitting anything. They just look cool, right? But in a fight, he said, I'm not beating the air. That's what he's talking about. Ooh, 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 just looking cool. He said, I'm making my hits count. When you're in a fight, and this is what he said, but I keep under my body. The word keep under, it means to hit someone under the eye. Pow! And that's where you get a good, good knockout blow. That's what it means. Well, who's he hitting? It's a metaphor, okay? Himself. Really? I keep under my body. That's what he said. He's not physically hitting himself, okay? But the seriousness of living right comes to where I'm going to beat myself into subjection, okay? That you've just got to make sure your body doesn't make your soul the slave, okay? Your soul is not supposed to be the slave to your body. Your body is supposed to serve your spirit and your soul. He said, and bring it into subjection. Notice, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Woo, that means not go to heaven. Say, where's one saved, always saved? It's not biblical. Ask Judas, okay? It's not biblical. The Bible said that we can make shipwreck of our faith in the word of God. We don't want to do that. And Paul said... That's why I'm going to keep myself. And you know, you've got, have you ever had to preach to yourself? I have. Talk to yourself. Talk to God about yourself. You know, I've got to, I've had to do that. And me too. It's like, God, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I have to say it out loud. No, I'm not going to do that. The crazy thought comes, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't even need to think that. So this, this man, speaking of confessing, this man came to his pastor and he said, pastor, I confess. And the pastor's like, at last, finally, this guy's repenting, right? And the guy said, Pastor, I've stolen five chickens from someone's backyard. Now, people raise chickens. Pastor said, that is, that is a sin. Stealing is a sin. So the man said, well, I'm going to get all the chickens, and I'm going to take them to church. And I'll, I'll just give them to the pastor of the church. And the pastor said, no, 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 no. No, no, you have to return them to the owner. That's not going to work. And... Uh, the man said, well, what if the owner refuses to take the chickens back, pastor? And the pastor kind of scratches his head and said, well, I suppose they're yours to keep then. And the man said, okay, thank you, pastor. And he walks off. Pastor goes home, discovers that five of his chickens have gone missing. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, Brother Patterson, would you ask the Lord's blessing? <laughs> he tried to give them back. Father, we thank you tonight for this Bible study, for the teaching of your word. Father, we just pray and ask that we find a lot of your place in every heart and life. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.